So hopefully I sound better today. New microphone and all, you know, fancy. You got to make those investments. Yes, we do. Um, I just want you to know, I don't know if you noticed this when you listened to our last podcast, but our last episode, my stomach was growling all throughout <laughs> the episode. When I went back to listen, I was like, what is that? What is that rumbling? It sounds like a volcano. And then I remembered my, my tummy was growling. So I had some snackies this morning. You had some snackies. I honestly didn't even think about it. So yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you who was thinking about it. My stomach. <laughs> Here we were talking about chai boiling over and it was your tummy that was boiling over. Yeah. <laughs> my stomach was like, what about me? Oh, goodness gracious. Well, I'm excited about our topic today. Um, I don't know if the people, the people are expecting it, but the three people. Yes. The, all three, all three listeners. Um, but I, we're going to talk about uh, superheroes today and what that means. And obviously superheroes have come back into the world big time in entertainment industry. I mean, Disney has made a whole <laughs> franchise out of it yeah. with Marvel, but um, we grew up with superheroes, but I think that the notion of what a hero is changes over the course of our, of our life. Um, and I know it means a lot to you, my dear, as well. Oh yeah. Um, so do 100%. tell. <laughs> 100%. So, you know, I remember being like so many others, a very small child watching Superman. Mm -hmm. And I can't explain the feeling. I just, I was riveted. I was completely just enamored with Superman. And I'm talking about, I think the first, the first real introduction I had was I would say probably uh, the first Superman movie with Christopher Reeve. Yeah, for the for the young kids, uh, we're talking about the the original Superman, <laughs> the one that truly counts. <laughs> Sorry, Henry Cavill, you're still yeah. you're still a pretty pretty hot yeah. guy, but <laughs> so um, you know, and that that movie, I remember being a kid watching it on TV, and my mom and dad or my dad would come up and be like, okay, it's bedtime. You have to go to bed. And I was like, no, I'm not done watching the movie. Not I, dramatic at all. No, I hysterically, <laughs> hysterically cried myself to sleep because I couldn't. <laughs> no, I actually like, this is a memory. Oh, it was traumatic. Aww, it, was, sweetie. It, was, it was the first time my father separated me from the man I loved. <laughs> but um, no, I just, it was layer upon layer. Like every time there was something out that was Superman related, I was obsessed. Yeah. And it was years later that I had a conversation with my parents about my obsession, which had started from a very, very young age. And my mom said, I think I think this happened because when um, I was pregnant with you, your father took me out 
on a date to see Superman in theaters. And wow, from the womb. From the womb. Like when I say hardcore, <laughs> I mean hardcore. <laughs> so I was like, well, that that's something changed. It was like something changed in that movie theater. I was affected. You were. Yeah. You were. So, so what was it about Christopher Reeve in particular that spoke to you? Um, <clears throat> you know, I've watched a lot of different Superman series, but something about Christopher Reeve as Superman had this sweetness. He had an innocence and a mm -hmm. sweetness that came through. And I mean, like, that's just, I think, indicative of his acting talent. I mean, he was a classically theater trained actor before anything else. And he went back to that even after the success of, of the movies. But I don't know, there was a real sweetness to that. And then also I feel like that version of, of the character really, really demonstrated the nuance of being virtually invulnerable, but yet being the most vulnerable man, mm -hmm. you know, like, yes, superpowers, all the things, saving all the people, right? All the accolades, all the fame, all of that. The character had all of that, but the struggle, the loneliness, the sacrifice, mm -hmm. those elements, I think, really touched me and it wasn't so much that I was it wasn't so much that I was like attracted to the character you know it wasn't like that it wasn't like a crush per se it was more like I'm looking at this character and I'm relating I'm yeah. relating to that struggle I'm yeah. relating to that feeling of loneliness and isolation and I'm relating to what it's like to sacrifice for the greater good mm -hmm. not by any means saying that i was some sort of you know hero as a child but i think those emotions that disposition we can all remember times where we felt that way where we felt like the weight of the world was literally on our shoulders and the decisions that we had to make would impact everyone whether or not that actually is true you know a therapist can <laughs> evaluate but uh the feeling i think this is part of the reason why we as a culture love superhero movies right we can relate we can connect to those feelings and to see it embodied you know in front of us it's amazing and that particular character superman embodied it so beautifully and the goodness of the character and the struggle with battling his own demons, his own, um, you know, it's like you're the most powerful man, most powerful person in the world, mm -hmm. you know, and you still are humbled. Like you still come to it with this humility that, is like the thing that attracted me so much. I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved Iron Man. 
I love me some cocky Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> I love that too. That has its place, but the sweetness of yeah. Superman, I think really, he's real. He really yeah. gets, he really gets that he has a responsibility. And I think, yeah. it, it, you know, there's that quote from the Spider-Man films of, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, right? which is, which is not something people necessarily think of when they sure. think about coming into power. Right, yeah. you think about service above self, right? And that's sure. not necessarily what all people are guided by. Some people are just guided blindly by power. And I think the superheroes that do speak to us, I mean, the, the people who are guided blindly by power tend to be the villains, right? Yeah. <laughs> they don't, they're not, they're not, they may be relatable in some ways because a lot of villains, I think it's interesting this thinking about this vulnerability piece because both heroes and villains in many ways, a lot of them start out the same way. They start yeah. out hurt or tra traumatized in some way, but what they do with that hurt and trauma is, is different. Yeah. They take different, they look at it differently. They take different perspectives. One becomes more of a victim. One becomes more of a, of, of a victor in the sense that they think, okay, these things happened. How can I make sure these things don't happen to other people mm -hmm. versus somebody who goes, oh, this thing happened to me and therefore the world is against me and I'm going to hurt other people because yeah. I'm angry and that fuels the rage. And so that sort of becomes this hero villain battle that plays out over and over again. And now show and tell. This is, um, can you see this? Oh, nice. So this is my vision board. I'm showing you my vision board. This is the last one I did. Um, so a vision board, of course, this is where you just cut a bunch of pictures out of magazines as you feel so moved, slap them on a poster and sort of things, words that appeal to you, pictures. This one I'd done a couple years ago and I thought it was really interesting. I was thinking about this topic and I remembered this and it says calling all superheroes mm -hmm. and it's got a picture of Wonder Woman in the middle. And then you can see a few things here. There's food, healthy food. <laughs> um, there's a little train with adventure. There's um, style, there's animals, there's running. There's, here's a Buddhist temple. And at the very top, it says, don't hide. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting because you think about like Superman and he has this sort of dumb costume, right? It's just like glasses. <laughs> But, but it's, it's how he shows up in the world, right? He shows up in this world as Clark Ken is this kind of nerdy, self-effacing guy, super humble. And then as Superman, even though you're right, he has a humility to him, he comes off as confident, right. brave, courageous. Right. And so people don't recognize him as the same person. So what's interesting about Superman, and as you've seen it in a lot of different variations, right? I think Smallville really did it best in demonstrating that who is this person? This person is not Superman, it's actually Clark Kent, mm -hmm. right? Clark Kent is the humanity mm -hmm. of the character. Clark Kent is the one through his quote unquote ordinary life experiences, his you know, the, the way he deals with tragedy, the way that he deals with connection, the way he experiences love, the conditioning and nurturing of his family, all those things inform who he is. Those things are relatable to every human. Every human has a story of 
you know, their, their ability to connect with the people who brought, who raised them or their inability to connect with the people who raised them and what they do with that. And he had both. He had the inability to connect with the birth family that sent him away. Mm -hmm. And then the connection of his adopted family, right? So, and then a lot of it, a lot of his battle was the struggle with identity. Who am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose? What am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. This is also the hero struggle. So this idea that I think we have as children that superheroes have to be extraordinary as we peel back the layers of who these characters really are, they don't have to be extraordinary. They can be like any of us. And in the real world, they are like any of us. They, mm -hmm. they, take, those, they take those struggles. And this kind of connects back to our previous conversation when we were talking about locus of control. They really change themselves mm -hmm. first. They, they, they make themselves better before they let the world inform who they are. Right. And that's not, that I don't feel is the story of the villain. The villain makes, <laughs> I think, the opposite <laughs> choice. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, I think that's very true. And, and <clears throat> it is interesting that the characters that we relate to more, the superheroes, we admire them for all these great things. But when they become unrelatable, they're, they're really not as exciting or as interesting. It is that vulnerability piece that sort of pulls us in. And I think yeah. that's, that's something that I know, you know, it's just that hero's journey that like Joseph yeah. Campbell talks about. Um, so now that we're grown up, <laughs> now we all grown up. We grown. Um, we grown. Um, do you find... Like, who are the superheroes that you look up to now? Like, who, what does a hero mean now? I mean, we, we identify it through film and we see, you know, it's, there's still wide appeal for, sure. for superheroes in movies. Um, you know, I know for me, like, I loved Star Wars. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. And I loved Luke's journey and he followed Joseph Campbell's like hero's journey, you know, and he took up the sword literally and mm -hmm. became this Jedi, this powerful yeah. Jedi. And I love the transformation from the first movie. And again, for the kids, this is the fourth movie technically <laughs> in the series. But, um, you know, when he, when he first starts out in Star Wars until Return of the Jedi and he's this innocent kid on Tatooine you know, who's on an uncle are sort of barking at him and he's complaining about, you know, the harvest. Right. And then in Return of the Jedi, he comes back and he's rescuing his friends and he's this all powerful Jedi. Yeah. Um, and of course that series continues, right? We're seeing, sure. you know, there's the Mandalorian on. Oh, love that. Amazing. And you're seeing an interesting dichotomy there with someone who might've previously been considered a villain, right? We, sure. we only knew Mandalorians as like Boba Fett, right? Right. And sorry for Star Wars fans. I promise I'll get off of this in a second. But, <laughs> but we're seeing the humanity in this masked sort of character because he's attached to this small being that yeah. has come into his possession. And so now that we look in our lives, day-to-day -day lives, like 
what what does a superhero mean? What does it mean for you? So if you had asked me this question a year ago, I probably would have had a completely different answer. Oh, interesting. Given the given what's going on in the world right now with this pandemic, I was I was really thinking about like Burger King workers, people mm. who are in fast food service who are essentially exposing themselves to great right. harm and great danger who are so underpaid you know and generally underappreciated like people like that right are heroic that's yeah. a heroic act to and granted a lot of it may be coming from just the need for employment like you just do what you have to do to get right um generally people who there are a lot of people right now who are sacrificing their well-being to go to work mm -hmm. and these are service people these are essential workers these postal are workers law enforcement yeah. medical professionals sanitation workers oh, teachers oh my god i live with a teacher yeah. And I mean, I would have said teacher last year. And most of that is informed based on what I physically see every day mm -hmm. from my partner, how much, um, how much time, energy, and emotion goes into the job outside of the hours of the job. Yeah. So again, this goes back to that idea of sacrifice mm -hmm. and really just thinking about the greater good. I'm not saying fast food workers are thinking about the greater good. Maybe they are, maybe some of them are, but I, I don't know how you can, I don't know how you can not see how these types of people are the reason we're those of us who are staying home and working from home right are we're, able to do that we're benefiting from the people who are the amazon workers right yeah the people in the warehouses uh the grocery store yeah the, all the people in the grocery stores who are stocking the shelves and making sure that there's um that there's a food supply, the farmers, right? All of these, all of the people oh, God, that allow farmers, yeah. that allow us to continue life as it is in a developed country, right? Yeah. To allow, it is the infrastructure and the systems that allow everything else to work. And you and I both are, you know, we're, we're working from home, right? Which I'm incredibly grateful for every day, and 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 yet having that deep appreciation of those. Of, of all of the people who do that. I, I love that. I love that, that, that you, that you see it that way too. I also think too, that it's interesting to see how some of these figures have come into light who maybe in a different time, a different age may not have been viewed as superheroes. You know, you think about like the Me Too movement mm. and all of the women that came forward. I don't know if you had a chance to watch any of the trial um of the gymnasts the yeah. olympic gymnasts yes, yes the olympic gymnasts 
and um, and many of them had been assaulted by that OBGYN, if you can call him that. Um, and just woman after woman, girl after girl, and the incredible people that were at their side supporting them. And it was, it was profound. And to me, I remember when I saw that, I got, I mean, I was, I was super emotional, you know, and like, I think a lot of women can connect with stories like that, yeah. but just the bravery and the courage. And to me, it's the vulnerability, it's the not hiding. Yeah. It's the willingness to come into the light in order to serve that greater good. 100%. I, I will tell you every time I see someone put themselves out there, like to share something traumatic that happened to them in an effort to connect with others and help others, like they use their pain to help others. Those people are heroes. Those people are superheroes. Most of us don't ever want anyone to know our deepest, darkest secrets and the things we have and carry extreme shame for. But it's a, a lot of that needs to come out into the light to heal. And you don't know you can do that until you see an example of it being done. And then you see the healing that comes after that. When you're a young person and you grow up in a culture where you're taught like, no, you don't talk about that. Like mm -hmm. Indian culture is really oh, yeah. heavily like, you know, keep that stuff to yourself. Don't talk about it, get over it, just move on, right? Very like into the stoicism and um, so, so fear-based a lot and, of it. And it's very much that way too in the South, I would say yeah. growing up, I would say that, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> I remember it was a culture shock for me the first time I went to New York. Yeah. Because the culture was so different from growing up in Florida where it was that way. Like you don't talk about these things. Yeah. But then you go into New York and people will just, you know, kind of say, tell you. say what's and say what's on their mind. And I, I think you can have a healthy appreciation for that because you don't ever wonder where you stand with somebody. But I remember yeah my interactions with some people day to day, I never knew where I stood with some people because they'd be smiling at me. And then I would be feeling like, why do I feel like this person is not on my yeah. side? Like, why do I feel they're not for me? So yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Like there's something about just that honesty and, mm -hmm. and being when, when somebody's not hiding themselves, when they are showing who they are and they are living their purpose in that kind of way, it can't help but to inspire you, but to yeah. move you to want to do that yourself. I think that's, that's the thing about what a superhero, you know, does for us is that they liberate us yes. from what we know to be life itself and think maybe life can be different. Maybe I can be different. Mm -hmm. It's that inspiration piece. Like, does a hero have to be charismatic? Does a hero have to know how to connect with people? I think it depends on who the audience is and who, who the message is for, right? Not every message is for every person. So, you know, you look at, you look at people who are widely considered heroes. Right. 
And they have that quality, that ability to inspire and to motivate. And it, I don't know that it comes from something learned. I think it comes from an internal drive, like this internal drive and need for connection. You look at obviously all of the, the, the superheroes that we read about in fiction, um, Harry Potter, like that was, mm, yeah, that was such a magical story. Magical, and I, re- magical. I didn't read it in childhood. I read it after a horrible breakup in, um, <laughs> God, what was it? It was like 2000, I think it was like 2009, 2010. I just read I, it like two years ago. And yeah. so, I mean, in my late thirties and it was just absolutely magical. I loved it. So you it. hadn't you hadn't read or seen them before? No. Yeah, I I have to say I, I'm so grateful that I chose to read those books um, in adulthood. That mm. I was introduced to them as an older person because there's so much in those stories, especially towards the end, about like what what is the hero's journey? What is the hero's struggle? What does a hero battle with? The idea that superheroes don't struggle, like that's, that's what makes them special. They do, they struggle. They do the hard things and they do it because there's this magnetic pull towards helping. And that is very, that's something, of course, like I try to embody. And when I'm feeling bad about my life or bad about a situation, as we all do, we all have those days where we're just like, everything's awful. <laughs> you know, It's true. Every time I've felt that way and I come across someone who's feeling that way too, there's a desire in me to help that person. And in helping that person, I feel like I heal myself. I feel Mm. like I do better. And I think Mm -hmm. we learn our lessons. We, We learn some of our biggest life lessons when we are in service to others. It's like, you have to see it play out in front of you in order to learn like nobody's born with inherent wisdom, right? It's life experience and- And what you do with that life experience and what you take from it is so true. And I think in those moments, I think it's interesting how, you know, I've I've been at your house and you have a lot of Superman (laughs) paraphernalia, we'll say that. And, And it's a nice reminder of who you are, but it's also a nice touchstone to that spirit. Yeah, that Superman spirit because Christopher Reeve wasn't just Superman in the movies. He was that way he in was his real that life. Way in real life for sure. He oh was gosh. after he had that you know tragic accident in that fall. I mean, he and his wife, all of the work that they that they put in, just an incredible amount of money that's gone into research and support. And you think about how many people are benefiting. Yeah. from that today because he raised visibility for that cause. He didn't yeah. give up. He didn't say, okay, well now I'm injured. My life is over. Right. You know, like, I give up. 
adversity, like in the strongest sense of, of the word and the term. And he showed up, he showed up. Like, I think his legacy, I mean, of course he'll always be an actor who portrayed a tremendously beloved fictional character but what he was able to accomplish in his in his life as himself that impact you know is is going to stretch way way beyond i remember like i remember watching him on the oscars i remember did you did you see that when he came out in his wheelchair yes i did see it i remember yeah. that that was such a moving, it was powerful, moving, powerful moment. You know, he was in Smallville too. He did a couple mm -hmm. of cameos in that, and it was just such a beautiful, like full circle, full circle reminder that you you take you take these stories with you, and you can use them to inspire you and to inform who you want to be even if you're not that now even if you're struggling with being that now you can take that and bank it and draw upon it mm -hmm. later when you're ready to because we can't all be heroes all the time sometimes no. <laughs> sometimes we need to be villains right and that's okay you can in your lifetime experience any number of roles. There's that saying, everybody is a villain to somebody. Like mm. everyone's a villain in somebody's story. Well, I think that's a great point that, you know, you don't become a hero without making enemies. And it means you stood up for something. And when you stand up for something, that means that there's people on the other side. There's always an opposition, yeah. you know, and there's always people who are gonna come along and tell you that you're wrong or say, why are you doing that? You know, I relocated my entire life when I was, you know, 30. And yeah. I'm not saying that is the most difficult age to do something like that. But typically when you're making moves like that, you're in your early twenties or maybe your mid twenties, maybe right after college or college. And at 30, I had my whole life pretty much set. And I remember all these people told me, what are you doing? Your whole life is here. Your whole community is here. You've got to start over. What are you going to do? And I did. I had to start over. But was I scared? Yeah, absolutely. Was it a struggle? Oh, yeah. The first year living in DC was an absolute struggle. There were nights when I cried and I felt so lonely and I felt yeah. like things, I was struggling with what you talked about with the identity crisis, just going, what am I? Who am I now? <laughs> But I think we all have those, those times in our life. I know you've gone through those times too, where you've been passing from one phase to the next and going, how do I do this? And the same skills and things that you were using before, they just don't have the same effect that they used to because you need right. different skills now. And I think that's the same thing with heroes. It's kind of like they realize there's that moment when they're like, I think one of those powerful scenes is from the last of, Avengers movie, and I don't want to ruin anything for anybody, but I will just say it has to do with allies. It has to yeah. do with other people coming in to support the hero. 
right. and showing like, we can do this together, together we can be something stronger. And there's, there is always gonna be that opposition on the other side, you know, because you're standing up for something, you're right. stating a point, you're saying, this is, this is wrong, we need to make it right. Yeah, I have to say, um, as someone who really, really deeply struggled with intuition, I, my, a lot of my heroes are people who are unapologetic mm-hmm. about believing and listening to themselves. You, you know, we're groomed to hear everyone else, to listen to everyone else we're not really taught properly how to listen to ourselves mm-hmm. to how, even how to read, like, how are we feeling, you know, right. oh, good, great, fine. fine. <laughs> you know, we're not really groomed how to uh, look inward. So I'll tell you some of my biggest heroes are people who have mastered the ability not to react. I struggle with that. I, I wear my emotions on my sleeve and there are a lot of wonderful people in my life who are able to Mm -hmm. kind of go up above themselves, like kind of go to that higher self and look at the situation from there and not allow themselves to be like bruised or impacted and that's a skill I have not yet developed. I can do it sometimes. I can do it when I'm teaching it to someone else. <laughs> See, it's interesting that you say that because I know that I'm a lot that way, right? But I, I think one of the things that I admire in you is your willingness to show your emotions. And that's something I've always struggled with. You know, because when I was really young, I was told that emotions are weakness and it's taken a lifetime and a lot of experience and heartache and learning to get to the point where it's like, Sultana, you, you are not superwoman. Like you, you Sultana the mighty. (laughs) That was your nickname for me. That was your nickname for me. Right. So it's like, it's great to be somebody that people can count on and look to and who doesn't react or flinch, right. but then you don't become relatable and it's yeah. that humanity. And, and it was never that I lacked that humanity for me. It was always that I didn't want to be a burden to other people sure. because I had grown up sort of having to take care of other people and their emotions when they would break down. And there was all kinds of reacting around me as I grew right. up all kinds of reacting to all kinds of dysfunction. And so for me, I just thought I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be stable. I'm going to be like a tree rooted in the ground. (laughs) And, and I have built a career out of that. I am in, you know, I can do crisis communications, all of that, but, but I had to learn from the example that, you know, people in my life, like you set where you say, it's okay to express emotion. It's okay to say, hey, when you did this, it, it, it hurt my feelings. It's okay to, to, you know, the first time I cried in public, it was, it was both a huge release and it was also a horror yeah. because it was this moment of intense vulnerability and I didn't know how I was going to survive it. But then I survived it and I realized that it was very liberating 
And so I think it's somewhere in between, right? You, you right. want to be strong. We admire strong people. But when people are so strong that they don't connect, it's that connection. Yeah. You need to know that that person has humanity, that they have emotions. And I think it's that, some, that space in between where you sort of find <laughs> that, that medium, that balance. Right. No, I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, it's, it's kind of funny, I think, to a degree, we always admire those qualities that we feel we don't possess enough of, right? So mm -hmm. I'm, I've talked about this to other people before, but I'm always drawn to people who seem like they might be total bees. <laughs> I'm always like, what's going on in their head? Like, why? Like men and women, right? I'm talking about men and women, people who are like bottled up. I'm always like, ooh, what's what's what? lurking beneath the surface? Yeah. Show yourself, Nessie. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I definitely, and I think maybe part of that is because the 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 intuitive elements and, and all of that. But I have to say one of the things that, one of the things I've learned and I would get shamed quite a bit as a, as a young person for being quote unquote, too sensitive. I was heard, mm -hmm. Amy, you're too sensitive. You're too sensitive. You're too sensitive. You cry for everything. Everything's always upsetting you. You, you can't take things personally. I heard that all the time. And I, I just couldn't do it. I tried. I just couldn't do it. So I started to learn that if you're going to cry, go run away and then do that because no one wants to see it. No mm. one wants to be there for you for it. Mm. And that was tough. And it took going to therapy, like yeah. most of, right? For me right? to realize <laughs> to for me to realize like hey, that vulnerability, that's actually a strength. If you lean into it, it it's going to help you. And just because other people can't handle it, that's because they aren't leaning into their vulnerability. That was a light bulb moment for me. It changed everything. I was able to transform all of my relationships and stand in a place of power when I was feeling weak or when I was feeling like emotional about something. And my, it's a very, it's a very simple analogy or metaphor, but I, I equate it to gas. You can either hold that in and be miserable or you can fart and be free. And here's the thing. If you're going to fart, know your audience. Will they still love you after you pass gas? Maybe not. Maybe not. I always just feel like, God, we're humans. Like we have to let that go. We have to let it go. Yeah. And I'm talking even about actual physical farts. I know so many women who are like, no, I will not do that in front of my person. I will not do that around my person. And it's like, why won't you allow yourself to be a human being? Like, do they, d does your partner also follow the same rules? And usually the answer is no. So what, why do we erase ourselves mm -hmm. to feel like we have to, that, like that's the only way we can fit into the world. Mm -hmm. We need to make the world mm -hmm. fit in for us. 
And yeah. you have to attract people in your life who, who appreciate you as you are. Again, this is, these are hard learned lessons. Oh yeah. I didn't learn this stuff until late, late twenties, early thirties. It was an evolution over years that this thing peeled back and I was like, oh my God, I've been abandoning myself all this time. So it's like, yeah, I, my nickname was always Houston. You used to call me Houston. Houston, Houston we, have, we problem. have a problem. Houston, <laughs> we have a problem. Amy will fix it, right? Yeah, because I love being the rescuer. Like, yeah. it's that hero's complex, the savior complex, all that stuff. It actually says a lot about some of the friendships and relationships mm -hmm. I had. Where You're I always rescuing always, people. I was always rescuing. And at some point, you have to look at it and be like, I'm doing this because I'm trying to do for others what I'm not allowing myself to do for, do for yourself. Yeah. And so this is another element of like the hero complex, right? A lot of us have this where we self-sacrifice and how much sacrifice is okay. Like how much of ourselves do we have to erase in order to be the appropriate savior for others? What is that balance between mm -hmm. being a hero and self-care? You don't see Clark Kent taking a bubble bath. <laughs> you don't see him going to a therapist. You, you don't see that. You don't see like they get so burnt out. And as people, we get so burnt out. So where does balance show up? I think it comes down to that word you just said, which is, which is care. And I think to be a hero, you have to care, but to be a successful hero, you have to also direct that care on yourself. Yeah, right. And because if you're not, it's, it's not enough just to care for other people. You have to care for yourself. I mean, in, in the same way that the allies come to, to help the hero, um, we don't do these things alone. And yeah. when we think we're out there alone, um, we're not going to be able to wield our full power. We're not going to be able to show up as our full self. Right. Like you talk about having a circle where you feel safe and having people who accept and love you. That's part of what allows a hero to be strong. You know, yeah. in so many ways, the story of Superman is not just Superman. It's the story of, you know, Lois Lane and the story yeah. of his relationship with his family back in Smallville, right? And yeah. the support that he draws from, from the people that he knows love him unconditionally. And that's part of what gives him his strength. So it comes down to just, I think, caring. I mean, even those essential frontline workers today working in the pandemic, they care, you know? I think one of the most beautiful things that I drew from... Superman is he gets his strength from the sun. He gets his strength by standing in the light. And I think when we really think about what that means for us as people, it's again, that vulnerability. Like, are we willing to share ourselves? Are we willing to take those things that we bury in dark places and, and bring them out into the light? Because if you do that, you've unburdened yourself. And when you unburden yourself, you can unburden others who are carrying that as well within them. They then have an example and then they step into the light. 
So I always thought like it was so poetic. I don't know if it was by design or or not, but it was such such a beautiful thing that I, I carry with me. There are days sometimes where I'm like, what would Superman do? Mm, it's true. It's true. Well, I wanted to end our conversation with a quote that is very inspirational to me. And it's something that Brene Brown has, has repopularized, which is Teddy Roosevelt's quote, um, which is, I hope I get this right. <laughs> <laughs> it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is in the arena, whose face is marred with dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, for there is no effort without error or shortcoming, but who actually strives to do the deed, who knows the great enthusiasm, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at his very best in the end knows the triumph of high achievement, and who at his worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. That's awesome. Yeah, I, that has stayed with me for many, many years. And I remind myself of that all the time that all I have to do is to care yeah. and to keep trying. So with that, you know, my friend, Keep caring, keep trying. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to all the people who care and try. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, it's not chai tea, it's just.